This week on the Sport Blokes. This week, wild stats, crazy finishes, and broken records in the NFL. Differing fortunes for the favourites in the T20 World Cup and the biggest cricketing choke of all time. And because we had bugger all time for basketball and entirely basketball this week in sports. <laughs> Let's go. It's 8.40 and 13 seconds on Tuesday, the 2nd of November, 2021. <laughs> Perfect. At Perth time as well, of course. Love it. Uh, before we get into our usual at the top, the race that stops, well, most of the nation. I assume you didn't watch either. <sighs> Could not give two shits yeah, about it. Yeah, I realised after the fact. Very elegant one out of Barrier 18. That's about the only thing I am interested in. I do. I am a sucker for a, a weird stat. The numbers, yeah. Yeah, so apparently it was the first time ever a horse has, has won from there in 160 years to be the overwhelming favourite floating artist who started at $2.80 and there's only been 10 other occasions where a horse has had odds that short under $3. So it had been the only barrier prior today that had never produced a champion. So that is interesting, but I don't give a shit. Aside from that, whoopty fucking do. Yeah. As we do at the top every week, Shui, what caught your attention and what'd you miss? Definitely not the Melbourne Cup. Uh, no, I, <laughs> what'd you miss the Melbourne the Cup? Melbourne, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, did, well, I didn't miss it because I heard people yelling from the other oh, side. Oh, well, I did miss it. I, yeah. I looked up from my, my work and went, ah, eh, must, must be on right Yeah, now. I read an article about it, I don't know, four hours later or something. <laughs> right, fair enough. Didn't stop my nation. Look, a couple of things that caught my attention this week and they're both AFL related. So the first one's a little bit funny. Nathan Vardy. I'm glad you said that one's the funny one. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Nothing funny about assault. No. But no. Uh, the Vardy one is funny. Va- yeah, it's brilliant. So it's form- former Premiership player, he gets himself a new tattoo. It's a QR code that he's managed to get tattooed yes. onto the top of his foot of all places. Yes. And when you scan it, it takes people to the AFL's official YouTube account and a clip entitled "Dom Sheed Seals the Eagles Premiership." What do you reckon of this one? I think it is bizarre, but I think it's quite funny and quite clever. And of all the things that you're going to link to, that would be the one. But geez, you wouldn't want the link to get broken too early, would you? Otherwise, it'll go to nothing. Well, it'll the- go to an error four or four yeah, page. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is <laughs> Which it. is kind of funny too, I guess. But, and, but yeah. How old is he going to be before the skin starts wrinkling a little bit? <laughs> and it stops working. And it stops working. Or, or QR it- codes become a uh, redundant technology and they have something new. Yeah, well, this is <laughs> it just like you click on it, it just creates a hologram. Yeah, that's right. Who knows? But look, I, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's classic. Yeah, yeah it it's was, yeah. No, it's like when you see people with barcodes on their on their neck, or yeah, yeah, it's a it's a funny little joke. It is. I mean, it's look, no secret that I'm a Mad Eagles supporter, so obviously, I, I love it. I guess the fact that you can watch the whole thing rather than just having a tattoo of Dom Shade, yeah, yeah. which would be a pretty cool tattoo if you're an absolute nut. I still prefer Libba's tattoo, If Lost, Please Return To, and the phone number of yes. his best mate's mum. But this is the closest. He has the best tattoos yeah, in the does. entire league. he does. He does. Now, from something pretty funny to something not no, so funny. not funny at all. So, well, I can't even say Collingwood's Jordan to go anymore, can I? Because he's, well, he's, he's, well, he's, 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 he's been stood down. He's still under paid. contract. Yeah, that's very yeah, true. Yeah, he's still under contract. And that's one of the points we'll get to in a second. Yeah. So he's been stood down by Collingwood over an incident in New York. Originally, it was reported that he'd been charged with, quote, indecent touching. That charge has been dropped as of today, I It believe. has, and they elaborated that it was a bit of a bottom squeeze, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Which is still indecent. No, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not condoning it at all. But he does still have the issue of a charge for assault for allegedly punching and kicking a 37-year-old man. Yes, so this, if I read it correctly, this basically happened at a bar downstairs in a hotel. In New York City. In, in, in Chelsea, in New York. Yeah. yeah, and he can't he can't actually come home because he's required to appear in court in person. 
So the court date is actually like almost to the day around the time when players of his service, number of years service, will be returning to training. Well, I've actually read it's two days after their preseason. Two, okay, so there, there you go. So, yeah, there you go. Pretty, yeah, very close to Pretty it, much. Yeah. But the thing that you mentioned before is the thing that shits me about this, that he'll actually still be paid under contract until, quote, an outcome to proceedings against him in the United States is reached or a more complete account of events is established. I'm sorry, but surely pay should be suspended until, until such a time that he's clear. Like, uh, I... I mean, a pretty fundamental pillar of the legal system is innocent until proven guilty and until you've had your day in court. So, yeah. I mean, I, I do I do believe in mandatory stand-down rules for sexual assault. Um, it's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. My, my thoughts are personally, it's not, you'll, you'll never see this money. But if you are there, like if you pay this guy and then all of a sudden he's found guilty, well, you can't get the money back, no, can you? No, no. And that's my issue. If he is, if he's found not guilty or he's acquitted, fair enough. I've got no issues with you then back paying him, but I just... Do the old Ben Simmons, hold it in escrow. Exactly. I, yeah. I don't have a problem with that, but I just think this is something that really, like, it's a serious issue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, we're, yeah. We're always talking about how we, we want domestic violence. We want, you know, king hits. We want all these things, these violent-related acts to be removed from society. And then we're just going to potentially let this guy keep all of his money when he may well have done this i mean normally we would pause when there's a siren outside the window but it's very appropriate it's, it's at the so, moment it's very apt i don't know if it'll be picked up sometimes it's picked up in the mic and sometimes it's not so. hopefully it was well if it's not a, you know yeah hopefully it was police and not an ambulance or the, the other thing i found weird is that so he's supposedly gone over there to improve training and to become a better player ostensibly and he's posting these drunken, stupid things on Instagram and stuff. I mean, I guess when you're drunk, you're not thinking straight. But, yeah. So it's a very Collingwood sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, well, they have the prison bars on their jersey for a reason. That's it. Yeah. How about yourself, mate? Well, a couple of things. The World Series is going on in the US at the moment. Oh, yeah, of course. So currently the Atlanta Braves are leading the series three games to two. They haven't won a World Series since 1995. They last appeared in the World Series in 1999. Game six is in Houston tomorrow. So this one could very well go the distance. But there was quite a remarkable performance from Charlie Morton. So 37-year-old pitcher. He broke his leg in the second innings of game one when a, a hit was smacked into his leg very hard. He managed to field it and throw it to first base. But incredibly, he, that actually made him break his leg. And he still completed the inning, striking out three batters and managing to throw a 154-kilometer-an-hour pitch. And I saw the footage. And like he's, he's basically toppling over like a crumpled piece of paper. And he wanted to keep going, too. Mm. So the old uh, Kurt Schilling bloodsock game comes to mind. These brave pitchers that... Uh, do these crazy things <laughs> in worlds, yeah. in playoffs and such. So. The, the sound that made when the ball hit him, oh, it just, ugh, yeah, yeah, ugh, yeah. not pretty. And then the other one was it was a recent PTI anniversary, 20 years now. You're Were you ever a big Pardon the Interruption fan? Or? Not really. I was more of a sports center guy. Yeah, and yeah. then I would kind of turn it off for, yeah, for okay. PTI. Yeah, I, I used to like the double. I used to watch both. I kind of got into it a little bit later in life. I kind of enjoyed the whole Tony Kornheiser. Oh, I love him. I love him. Like He said that uh, he should have named his son Budweiser, so he'd be called Budweiser Kornheiser. <laughs> but um, <laughs> he's just, I like, he's got such a great sense of humor. That is great. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I've been watching since day one, but I've definitely been watching since year one. So I've actually been watching this show for 20 years. And Pablo Torre, 
Ray on ESPN Daily actually did a four-part series about it. I'd recommend people go and listen because it was fantastic. It was really interesting. I, sh- I should also note that I love Mike Wilbon as well. Oh, Mike like, Wilbon. Like Mike is a great NBA just, journalist. Yeah, yeah. oh, not, absolutely. It's not just about Tony. No, 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 no. The Both of them are brilliant and yeah. they're best mates and they have this great on-screen chemistry. And even when they're not recording, they're constantly messaging and calling each other. And it's, yeah, it's just fantastic. So... I definitely encourage people to go back and listen to that if they're interested because there's some great stories and it, it brought back some old memories of some of the interviews they'd done, like a great one with Mike Tyson, for example. They played some some uh, footage from that. So, yeah, no, it was really good. Nice. I'm still listening every day. So it's in podcast form now, which helps. It means I don't need to get in front of the television so I can listen at work and stuff. What did you miss, mate, apart from the uh, Melbourne Cup? <laughs> well, it's not so much even something that I missed, but something I missed mentioning last week, funnily enough, which is even more disappointing given how in the zone we were from recording all of our choke specials. Yes. And it's one of the most remarkable chokes I reckon I've ever heard of. It came from the ICC Women's T20 World Cup America's Region Qualifiers. Oh, yes. Or the Iwatukwark for short. <laughs> so Canada was taking on Brazil in a 17-over rain-affected match at the Reformer Athletic Club on the outskirts of Mexico City. Brazil somehow managed only seven for 48 off their 17 overs. Maybe they thought they were on the test circuit. I'm not sure. but Well, maybe it's just because they're Brazil and they don't have many good cricketers. <laughs> this, is, this is true. They were, they were trying to head the ball instead. Yeah. <laughs> Players coming off hurt. But yet somehow Canada found themselves at five for 46 with one over remaining. So this one actually did go down, by, to the, yeah. went down to the wire. But still, three runs off the last over. It shouldn't be too hard, right? Not in the T20. Wrong. Yeah. Brazil actually turned to 16-year-old Laura Cardoso. So they've they've turned to a, a 16-year-old to try and win the game for them. And she starts off really well with the dot. And you're thinking, all right, okay, there's a sneaky chance here. Run out, wicket, 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 run out. That is a choke. Well and truly. Five wickets in five balls. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And along the way, and in doing so, Brazil actually became the first nation of all of the nations to play cricket to take five wickets in five balls in a T20 international. That's fantastic. That's insanity. Brilliant. And look, T20 isn't our favourite format. There's only one worse, which is the 100, of course. But it is great at opening up cricket to the world. And apparently in America, apparently it's becoming, it's getting more and more participation. So the T20 game is a very good way of introducing this great sport to the world. Well, it is interesting you say that because as we get into the cricket a little bit later on, there is a few very interesting nations that I will bring up. But honestly, Nate, possibly the best thing about this is the highlights on YouTube. They sound like they're being commentated by an Irish woman who has just inhaled an entire helium balloon. (laughs) Yeah. Or like Alvin and the Chipmunks, female yeah. friends or something. There are really high-pitched voices. I'm like, oh, it's a chance for I, I, Yeah, Part of me wonders if that's uh, trying to avoid copyright protection, but it, it does sound very It funny. doesn't matter. It's, oh, it, it, the, the choke is magnificent. Right? It is that's next brilliant. level. brilliant. Oh, it's next level. <laughs> it is brilliant. What do you miss, mate? I missed the Melbourne Cup. Let's get straight into the yes. cricket, eh? Let's, let's get into the World T20, Stewie. There's been multiple hat tricks. There's been upsets. There's been tons. There was even a diamond duck the other day. It's all happening in the UAE. What do you think? Look, it's been superb. A- aside from the times, it has dragged on. Yes. Them. Well, the, the early matches are okay, but the Aussies haven't been playing in the early matches. Yeah. So, so un- unfortunately, that's probably the big issue for me is, and it's going to happen no matter where you have it in the world. Yeah. If, if you yeah, have yeah. it in England, they're going to be in the middle of the night. If you have them across in the Americas, it doesn't matter where. It's, yeah. Unless it's literally in Australia, we're not going to see it all. 
But obviously, yeah, having so much of the game being played right through the middle of the night, quite often I'm seeing the first inning of the late game and then turning it on at three o'clock when I wake up and seeing, oh, did they make it? Oh, no, yep, they did. No, whatever it happens to be. So, but it has been very, very good quality. And because I'm nocturnal, I've just watched it live no matter when it finished. Yeah, Yeah. well, you lucky bugger. I'll tell you what, that English match, I don't know what was more torturous. The Australian batting innings the fact that they couldn't get Aussie, 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 oi, 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 right in spite of trying it about eight different ways or the bloke next door singing karaoke. It was a pretty difficult night for me. Well, I didn't really see any of that because yeah. <laughs> I missed I missed a lot of that because I would have been asleep. Yeah, and, well, and I wasn't here as well to hear the No, karaoke, no, you so. weren't here to hear the karaoke. But yeah. uh, no, if, if any match to miss as an Aussie, that English one was the one to miss. But first, I think we've got to get into the big issue, don't we? We've got to get into the bizarre story out of South Africa and the Quinton de Kock kneeling thing. Yeah, this is a it's a really tricky one. I mean, we we try not to be too political, but there are things that you have to stand up oh, for of course, yeah. as a human being. And and this And whole, until you do something like this, you don't realize how much politics does inter- intersect with sport, do you? We can't just not talk about it. No, absolutely not. So, yeah, if look, if anyone somehow has missed this, pretty much what's happened is Quinton de Kock from South Africa, their opening batsman, their wicketkeeper, has basically decided that he wasn't going to take a knee or do anything involved with the Black Lives Matter uh, movement move. prior to the start of a match. Yeah. yeah. And, and he, the reason for that was, in his mind, it was a tokenistic gesture. Yeah, look, it could have been handled better by the team because apparently on the team bus, they said, you're all kneeling, you don't have a choice. So human beings don't like to be told what to do without a choice. I understand that. So I do definitely think that the South African brass could have handled it better. But even so, even if I was wearing his shoes, I would have still knelt. And after the game, I would have talked to them and said, come on, guys, this could have been handled better. Well, this is the thing. So if you look at it from a couple of different points of view here, his captain is a black man. Yes. Their best bowler. Their best bowler is a black man. Yeah. A third of the team. His stepmother is a black woman. Yes. His half-sisters are coloured. And that's what made it so weird. Yeah. There there are so many reasons that he should be doing this. Yep. And, And this is the thing. It's basically telling your captain, as I've said, a black man that you are not prepared to take a knee to support a cause like this which is standing up for racism and all of the inequality that the black communities have gone through over how many years, how many decades? Well, and South Africa, well, South Africa with apartheid too. I mean, they have a very storied and difficult history when it comes to race relations. Well, I mean, we have our own problems here as well, of course. Every country does. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I can understand. Okay. You don't want to be told what to do, but geez, mate, pick your battles. Pick your battles. And this is the thing, like, you know, is it any more tokenistic than singing a national anthem? You know, that is just a bunch of words. Okay, yeah, they mean something. But at the end of the day, if you remove it, it makes less of a difference than standing up for inequality throughout race. And and the thing is, this sort of thing will continue to hover closer to being tokenistic if it doesn't get taken seriously. If everyone else goes, oh, you know what? You're right. It is a bit of a token gesture. I'm just not going to do it. Then what happens? The movement loses all of its momentum that it's gained over the, the past few years. And we go straight back to where we were all these years ago. And it's, it's, yeah, it's just so surprising. The ironic silver lining of all this though, is whenever people do do this, I remember Ben Dunk did it in the BBL um, a few years ago, I think it was. And, and he's actually since said that it was one of the worst decisions he's ever made. 
but it can actually bring more attention to the issue in a weird way. Yeah. So there is a kind of weird silver lining, but yeah, but it, it, it was a curious decision given everything we now know and the apology that he wrote. And, and I think possibly even more concerning was the fact that they let him rejoin the team one game later. He just went, oh, do you know what? I've just realised I'm not going to be able to play cricket now, so I'm going to take a knee now. Well, and that's another thing that made it so weird is that he was prepared to withdraw from the match and, and not get his pay and potentially be out for the rest of the tournament for a fairly contrarian kind of viewpoint, you mm. know, to the rest of the cricketing world, the majority of the cricketing world. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, is it any surprise? Of course. Also, though... He did explain, he did contextualise a bit. I don't think he's a racist. I think he made a bad choice. And people do deserve a second chance. I can understand why they would let him back into the team. And they probably, I think you're right. I think the desire to win would have played a fairly big part in that because he is a pretty bloody good 2020 player. Absolutely. And he's got the gloves too. So, yeah. And and look, I would certainly like to hope that he's not a racist, but it's so hard when you look at it and you say, well, if it is just such a tokenistic gesture then that's basically meaning that it's no big thing. So yeah. why not why not do it yeah. unless, unless you don't believe in what it stands for? Yeah. So it's like it's it's hard. It's really, really tricky. And and I, I certainly don't want to think that he is because he was willing to then take the knee. And you hope it's not just him saying, oh, I don't want to miss out on my payment and I want to play cricket. So I'm just going to do this thing even if I don't believe in it. But and look good on Temba Bavuma for doing the right thing and standing by his player as the captain. Yeah. Yeah. But geez, I tell you what, it's, this does send a pretty rough message in terms of we will prioritise winning over doing the right thing. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, if if he'd come back and still refuse to kneel, yeah, it, it is tough. It is tough. Speaking of tough, well, should we talk about the win first? Yeah, well, we can. <laughs> we'll talk about the Aussie matches. So Australia defeated Sri Lanka not long after we recorded last week's episode, actually. And then Australia chased it down. And, you know, 155 is a pretty decent total, or 154. Yeah, it was a real weird one. I mean, it looked, as you say, after that sort of early wicket, it did look like it was starting to get away. I and mean, the run rate was hovering around nine, nine and a half, close to 10 for the first half of the innings, really. And then all of a sudden, the spin came in. Zampa took a, a pretty key wicket. We started seeing regular wickets dropping. And Starkey put in an absolutely amazing Yorker to get rid of Pereira just after he'd been hit for six. Both of them bowled beautifully in the death, yeah. Really well, late overs in the death, yeah. Really so, good. Yeah, so we, we sort of, I guess you're, you're right. We probably were quite lucky to restrict them. I guess it was looking like it could easily have been a 180. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely it was. And yeah. then, yeah, to keep them to 154 is, is a pretty decent effort. And then Warner and Finch started really well. And I actually thought Finch was looking better. He scored less than Warner. Warner went on to make 65. So it was a very good knock by him. He shouldn't have, though. Should have made that. Well, he was, yeah, he was dropped. So gloved one down leg side, ballooned to the keeper at basically head height and then just dropped into the gloves. But the gloves weren't there. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Yeah. No, that's inexplicable. I think it's the worst drop I've ever seen. Yeah. Inexplicable and inexcusable, really, wasn't it? Because, yeah, from there it was fairly comfortable and, and the Aussies steered at home quite well. So yeah, yeah. and look good to see Marcus Stoinis make some some quick runs. Good to see Steve Smith spend a little bit of time at the crease without getting out to a ridiculous catch. And that's what I was gonna say. The two of his well, his only two dismissals, because he was not out in this Sri Lankan match, were to absolute blinders of a catch, yep. weren't they? And uh 
England played out of their skin, but it might have been a slightly different game if if uh, Smith hadn't been caught the way he was. Well, uh, he was he was one of the few batsmen that actually looked like he had a bit of intent for the Aussies. Well, he, he did. There's a fair few things I've got to say about this game. So firstly, obviously, the toss is crucial. Oh, it's huge. This tournament. Yeah, Ab- you want to be chasing. Absolutely, you, you do want to be chasing. You, yeah. want, you want to allow yourself that chance. And so many teams have kind of blown it in that first innings the same way that the Aussies did against England. Look, England bowled well. I don't think they bowled as well as we made them look like they were bowling. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and you could, that's, and the way that Agar and Cummins played with the bat pro- probably kind of embodies that a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, Wokes, that spell of Wokes and Rashid was looking pretty bloody good. The issue was Livingston. I think we only scored 15 runs off him or something in four yep. overs. Yep. And he picked up a wicket or two as well, I think. Yeah. So that was the really disappointing thing, I think, to, to really not put a bit of pressure on the part-timer. And if, if some of those other blokes didn't want to swing the bat, then send up Cummins and Agar early. They are capable. They've been sent in early before to smack it around. You, look, you're absolutely right. If you've got guys that are just going to nurdle it around, and I understand you've kind of got to rebuild the innings, but if you look at you know, the, the strike rates on a lot of these guys, so Stoinis, a duck off four. Maxwell, six off nine. That's I know you, you want to try and sort of get in early, but you know, in that, in that instance, you can't really afford to be sitting there chewing up multiple deliveries. It's just not, it's not the way you have to play this game. You've got to keep the, the scoreboard turning over. And then maybe against a crap team, they could have taken that route. Mm. But the problem was they were playing a very, very good, possibly the best team in the competition, England. And they 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 had to just swing out or get out. Yeah. If you get if you're all out for 85, so be it. But if you swing out, you at least give yourself a chance by maybe scoring 140, 145. Yep. The whole thing changes then. There's no guarantee Butler's... Butler was magnificent, wasn't he? Well, he was. We'll oh, get, my yeah. God. We'll, we'll get to him in a minute. Yeah, wow. Look, I think one of the biggest things I noticed, it's it's just down to the order. Steve Smith at three is not the answer. Maxwell at four is not the answer. Well, I've got two questions. I'll, I'll let you finish that thought. So for me, Maxwell comes in at four if you're maybe two for 100 off 10. That, that's my question. I think you do need a floating order in 2020s. I think it's all context. It's all dependent on the score, the time, and the strategy, to use a Dick Vitale yes. analogy. So I, I don't have any problem with the order floating around. The question I was going to ask is, is there room for an anchor role in the T20 game? Because Steve Smith's played it a little bit, and Aaron Finch played it in that game against the Poms. And it was really funny. Like he got out right near the end on nearly about run a ball. And it was almost like a sacrificial wicket. Like, oh, I can't carry my bat here because it's going to look really weird if I only score a 50 carrying my bat. So I better swing out and get it. Yeah. I don't know. That whole dismissal was a bit funny for me. Yeah, look, I, I don't see that being a, a big deal. I mean, you do have to have players that can accumulate runs. I mean, if you look at Smith as an example, he is a guy that can come in and accumulate really, really quickly. He turns the strike over. He's always rotating the strike. He'll hit boundaries if the ball is there to be hit in the same way that Virat Kohli kind of has for so many years as well. And they don't have to be boundaries, do they? Well, if, no. if you're two, scoring at a 150 strike rate, you're doing threes, a job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So for me, I, yeah, I think... In a, as a general rule, three is always that's the tough spot. And I, again, I can already hear the yelling and screaming from Victoria, but it, it has to be Mitch Marsh. The, the question is, a lot of people are saying Smitty shouldn't be in the team. I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah, I don't either. He's great in the field. He's a superb fielder. He's probably the best fielder we've got. Yeah, one of the best in the world. So I, I'd be very reluctant to remove him from the team. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Now, just quickly going back to Marsh and, and I guess why, because I've got, I feel like I've got to sell it because I feel like everyone over East kind of hate, <laughs> hates the name. Across 2021, he's got more runs than any other Australian in T20s. He's got it at a pretty decent strike rate, about 125, and a solid average of above 30. And he can bowl too, of course. Now, only he and Aaron Finch have more than 400 runs for the entire year. So it doesn't make for great rating in terms of the other guys. Yeah, yep. And to kind of put into perspective, and I mentioned this before that I was going to talk about some of these random things, Malta have two guys with more than 400 runs this year. <laughs> Varun Tamataram and Bikram Aurora both uh, have 400. Those stalwarts. And I mean, like, these guys obviously... Are, household uh, names. Yeah, like, yeah. these are household names. Yeah. And, and they yeah. are, you know, there's guys... Bradman-esque. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And look, I've seen guys from cricketing powerhouses like Uganda and Bulgaria with more than 400 wow, runs. Gee. Now, admittedly, these guys are playing against similar powerhouses like Gibraltar and Switzerland. But Nepal, still, yeah, yeah. I think what this is showing, though, is that there's a, there's a real issue with the batting side of things in, in terms of I just don't feel like the Aussies really understand how to bat through a 20-over period. Yeah, it's, we seem to have an outdated strategy. And so to India, apparently. We'll get to them shortly, yeah. too. But I think the other thing this game showed is how important Ashton Agar is in this lineup. He's an absolute must. Well, had, had he not played in the England... my Kind of my notes I made after the Sri Lanka game was, even though we won, should Ash Agar should have been in the team. And sure enough, he came in. In the UAE, you've got to have two spinners. You've got to. Well, there's two reasons. Firstly, his economy rate. So everyone in that England game went for over nine and over, except for Agar who went at 5.62. Yes. They noodled him around a little bit, but not but, no, no but major fine. damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six yeah. and over doesn't do shit. Yeah. Not yeah. when you have a good total. No, but I mean, you would back yourself to chase 120 95 times out of 100 at least. And he can also bat. We've mentioned he was he was quite solid with the bat. I mean, a, a runner ball 20. You'd, yep. you'd take that from a, from a bowler, definitely. Yeah, well, he got himself in and then he hit a couple of sixes. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess... You know, that's why I think you have to have someone like Agar in there, someone who, who keeps it tight. Fuck, all you got to do is look at what Mitch Santner did to India. And we'll talk about India in yeah, a second. Yeah, choked him, yeah. But yeah. He, he did. He gave them nothing. Yeah, and that's what yeah. Agar does. Yeah, Sodi Boulder, right, too. Oh, well, he's been... Yeah, he's been, he has, he has. But the, the rest of the bowlers, they're just not responding well when they're getting attacked. They, one shot in anger gets played against them and all of a sudden they start bowling half trackers or full tosses or they're bowling wides. Well, and on the flip side, the, the batters. I think the way Cummins and Agar showed a bit of aggression, sometimes you've got to put the bowler on the back foot. And yes, Wokes looked magnificent. Wokes was sort of swinging it, picking up wickets. Jordan was man of the match. He was bowling superbly. Take him on a little bit. Yep. And if you're worried about someone giving up a key wicket, then like I say, lift a guy up the order and tell him swing out and get out, you know? The, the only guy we went after was Tymel Mills. And he's injured now. Yeah. So yeah. he can't even go after him. It's, yeah, it, it was just a, a really disappointing performance. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, this is the thing. When you're bowling reactively and batting reactively as well, as opposed to being proactive, this is what happens. And I think most of the Mills figures were the fact that Cummins and Agar were facing him. So yeah, I think well, it was to do with the blokes that were in when he was bowling. And Stark as well. And Stark at the end six. too. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Yep. Now, from where we are right now, I, I don't believe the Aussies can make any noise. I think there's a very... We'd have to win both matches. They have to win both matches and hope that England will beat South Africa, which it's very, very possible that South Africa get an easy run through. England might just decide to rest players. Yeah. 
because they've already wrapped up everything. Yeah, well, winning form's good form, though. I think they'd be silly to do that. I think they would regret that if they did. But if they really want to stick it up, stick it up the Aussies, that would be the obvious thing to do. On the eve of the Ashes, yeah, I well, don't blame them at all if they do. Yeah, yeah. I really don't. And, I mean, look, whether we if we get through, we play Pakistan, we get belted in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think making the semis would probably almost be considered a victory for this Australian team. Absolutely. So Australia versus Bangladesh will be around when we upload this episode. As Aussies, we're hoping they repeat the performance they dished up against the Windies, where they had missed a stumping and dropped three catches. They have nine dropped catches in three games. I saw a chart of the dropped catches on ESPN Crick Info. It's basically a fielding chart. Wiki, short fine leg, long on, deep square leg, short third man, third person. The list went on and on and on. So, yeah, so bangers are in horrible form too. And they're actually playing South Africa as we speak. Well, Have not, they lost? They're not anymore. They've just no. lost, yeah. So they made 84. South Africa raced it down. Well, they didn't race it down, but they got it in 13.3. So I think any time you win with six and a half overs to oh, scare, yeah. that's... I would have been knocking it about, I'm sure. That, that's an absolute shellacking. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's the, the same old thing for... For Bangladesh, poor dismissals. There's a lot of guys in the top order that aren't firing consistently. I mean, I'm looking through the figures now. Rabada, three for 20. Norchair, three for eight off his 3.2. I've got a Rabada stat for you. 385 wickets in international cricket, an average of 24.82. There are only three blokes that have taken more international wickets before the age of 27. Wakar, Yunus, Wazim Akram and Stuart Broad. We should clarify that's among quicks, not... Like all bowlers. Oh, sorry, quicks. Yeah, yes. sorry, did I not say that? No. Yeah, yeah. So that one's thanks to Wisden Cricket. Yeah. Here's another interesting thing. Jeff Lemon Sport. So after 10 overs in their last match, Australia 4 for 41. We only made 125. India 3 for 48. We'll talk about them in a sec. Only made 110. England 3 for 47, but they made 163 because Joss Butler is in the form of his life. Well, let's let's talk about England quickly before, oh. we, before we move on. We were going to talk about them at the end in terms of like, things that we've observed across here, but I think we have to talk well, about Well, yeah, given we just played them as well. We absolutely have to talk about But he, he really is in the form of his life. He's become the first male English cricketer to have a ton in all three formats of the game internationally. Yep. So he joins Heather Knight to be the only other English person to do all three. It's a very impressive feat. Uh, yeah, and impressive that he did it as an actual, at the right time as an actual English. Person. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you were going to say in a in a tournament. No, yes. well that, <laughs> that too, that too. But no, honestly, he's just taking the piss right now. Oh, right? it's amazing! He's, it's amazing. And, that and, clean and, hitting. And the thing is, as much as it pains me to say it, because he is an Englishman, it's fun to watch. It is. Oh yeah, so fun no. To watch. Like I said. Given the torture that I was going through, he put me out of my misery on Saturday night, wee hours of Sunday morning. And so you kind of mentioned before about the three for 47 after 10 overs that England were at. He absolutely epitomizes the way that they put the foot down. So he was 50 off 46. Yeah. The slowest T20 World Cup 50 of all time for an Englishman. Wow. And then he goes 50, then his next 50. 51 off 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and obviously they take 116 off their, their last 10. Yeah. Do you know, I think the most interesting thing about England right now, Liam Livingston and Chris Works haven't batted yet. And Livingston's gone well with the ball in other matches, not just against Australia. So they're firing on all cylinders, basically. But this is the, the interesting thing, is that if somebody kind of... Ah, uh, if, if you skittle their top order yeah, early, yeah. all of a sudden... And, th and this is the problem. Nobody's been able to get past maybe three or four down. If you can get England, I don't know three for 20 off the yeah, first yeah. five off. Yeah, yeah. It's enough that potentially 
these guys are getting put under a little bit more pressure. They can't come in and swing as freely as they can. Well, maybe you put them up the order for the South African game when you're already through to the semis. Yeah. But, maybe that's the time to give them a knock. But we almost saw this in the, in the game yesterday where three for 35 they got to. And this is when, obviously, we got to see the Butler, way Butler <laughs> kind of do his thing. And, and he and Owen Morgan kind of steadied the ship. And then from that 10th over, 11th over on, they really started picking the pace up. But, you know, there's there's not really a, a chink in the armour right now. No. Their, their bowlers are all being sensational. Adil Rashid and Moeen Ali, their, their, their spin duo have been so economical. They're picking up wickets. You mentioned Jordan's been superb. Wokes did his thing. Yep. Mills, honestly, was the weak link, but he's still picking up wickets as well. Well, he's a bit injured, so he might come out for Wood anyway in the next match is the tip. So, so you're getting a guy in Wood who bowls, what, 145? Oh, it's a like, pretty decent replacement. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I don't understand. I, I don't see a way of beating them. You just have to hope that you can pick up wickets early. Well, I guess T20 is one of those things where on the day anyone can beat anyone. So, But geez, I'll tell you what. They're gonna oh, be, they're red hot. They're going to be hard to beat. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now on the flip side of that, the team that many would have picked to win pre-tournament, the team that had the benefit of playing on the same grounds in the IPL, so probably had the best lead up to any nation in the world, India, pretty much can't make the semis. Yeah, stick a fork in them. Yeah. They, they are done. Yeah. It's it's one of these things. I think there are, oh God, I don't even know how many different possible scenarios. But the only way that India can really win is somehow manage to get through to the semis by winning their next three games and hope that enough losses a lot go, of their, results, go yeah, their way. Yeah, yeah. And it's even the teams above them have to lose in a certain order in, yeah, in order yeah. to make this work. Yep, so yep. I, they, I just don't see a universe where this actually happens. But I think to an extent, they're kind of a bit of a victim of circumstance and then a little bit of a victim of themselves. So, and what I mean by that, I guess, is if you look at the scheduling, they played their first game early against Pakistan and then they had a week's break before they played New Zealand. And then they've got a few more days before the next gun. So yeah, that one week break... I think it's a long time. It's it's a long time, and they did in a short tournament. They didn't bat horribly against Pakistan. It was the bowling that did it for them. So, oh, and the Pakistani batsmen, well, that killing too. it too. Yeah. That too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But this is the thing. And Shahina Freddy, oh, I've, one of those deliveries, but a couple of those. Well, deliveries. the one, the one to yeah. Robert Sharma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, Sharma hasn't had a great start. He obviously out for a duck and with with that particular ball yep. from a Freddy. And then I think he made 14 in the game against New Zealand. They haven't really had much in the way of, of scoring. Coley and Pant were the only reason that they even got to 150 against Pakistan. And it honestly looked like they weren't even going to make 100 against New Zealand. Yeah. They were very, very lucky. That Seven, was a big surprise. 73 balls they went between boundaries. Yeah. yeah 73. Well. Yeah. And this is the, probably the even more damning stat. There were 54 dot balls in that inning. Yeah. 54. That's yeah. nine overs. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy. Like, their bowlers have been toothless so far. They've got two wickets total across two matches. I know. I couldn't believe that stat when I saw it. Yadav is injured, but, yeah. They, I mean, they still... They should not be in this position. Well, this, but this is the thing. I kind of want to put that into a bit of perspective. Before tonight's game, there were 54 different occasions since the start of the Super 12s where a single bowler has taken at least two wickets on his own in an inning. Yeah. India have managed that in two completed games. Yeah, yeah. And funnily enough, Boomer was the one who took both of those. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's horrible. But I mentioned that I was a bit worried they may potentially overreact from that first loss. And maybe one of their bowlers might make way or both of, the, both of their kind of fringe bowlers might make their way out. And sure enough, that's what happens. 
Bhuvneshwar Kumar comes out and in comes Shardul, don't call me Tupac the Cool. Ah, yes, of course. Yeah. And he goes for none for 17 of 1.3 overs. So it's it's not good. Are India and Australia picking names more than people that fit the format the best? Well, not necessarily. And there's a very strong reason for that. If you look at who's missing from the Indian bowling lineup right now, it's Ravi Ashwin. Yeah, and Yadav, who's under a cloud. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're two pretty big, big names. But this is the thing. Ashvin is, is healthy, but there's this big schoolyard feud between him and Kohli right now. Right. They're basically derailing India's first tilt at this since 2007. Yeah. So... Yeah, for the country that's just added two teams to their IPL, India really should be best place to be winning these things. And they've got zero chance now. It's over. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm calling now. If they make the semis, I'll eat my hat. It's not a big call. I'm not wearing a hat. So, no, no. Um, Your yeah. imaginary hat. My, yeah, exactly right. But no, it's honestly, it's been pretty hard to watch. They've they've bowled poorly. They've fielded pretty averagely. Their batting's been disgraceful. Yep. yep. They'll so, be returning home as major disappointments. Speaking of that IPL, by the way, that means they're moving from 60 games to 74. So I don't know how many cuts we are to the thousand that it will take to reach death for test cricket. But I hate to say that on the flip side of what I said earlier about T20 opening the game up for the world, I dare say test cricket just kind of becomes more and more on life support. Mm. Yeah. I wonder when the IPHL will come in. Oh? The Indian Premier 100 League. Oh, God. Please no. It could happen. Please no. The Hyderabad 100s. <laughs> <laughs> We've got like... Uh, no, it would have to have King in the name. King 100s or something. The, the King. Yeah. <laughs> Just quickly, some WBBL updates. The internationals still absolutely kicking ass, aren't they, Stewie? Yeah, it's been a very, very good week for them. So Jemima Rodriguez had 75 for the Renegades. She outdueled Smriti Mandana's 64 for the Thunder. Mandana also had 50 in her next game. Mignon Dupree's had a 62 and then a 73 for Hobart. We had 12 off two in the Super Over for Sophie Devine for Perth against Adelaide. And then Dane Van Nykirk, 62 or 47 for Adelaide. They unfortunately lost to the Renegades behind 73 or 46 from Haman Preet Kaur. Yeah, good night. Really, really great list of international players. So the Indians, the South Africans, the New Zealander, just a, a really, really great week for them. Unfortunately, I absolutely reverse jinxed Alyssa Healy. I was just about to say, I caught a bit of the Scorchers Thunder match uh, yesterday and Healy had a knock, didn't she? She had a one in the, the game after I said it. But yeah, yes, okay. unfortunately, yeah. I mentioned her patchy form. And of course, 94 off 57, not out. And yeah, took the Scorchers apart in a 44-run win. So yep. pretty disappointing. As I mentioned a couple of weeks, though, there's still a lot of parity within here. Even the teams that are bottom. So third to eighth at the moment. Are only separatable. There's not much in it. Two yeah. points and net run rate. Yeah, That's yeah, it. Yeah. So, well, in the world T20, net run rate could decide the Australian group. We could have four teams tied and it will be net run rate and won't be Australia getting through. If you, that's the case. you wouldn't think so. Yeah. But yeah, as a, this is the thing. A, a small hot streak could see the Thunder in last place all of a sudden jettison up into third or fourth. Yep. So it won't take much. The Renegades look very, very good right now, though. Like, their bowling and, and their fielding superb. Only Adelaide have scored more than 133 against them, and the Renegades still won that one. So It's good to see one team from South Australia doing all right in domestic cricket yeah, well, because the blokes are not doing too well yeah, at all. They are struggling a bit. Yeah, they sure are. And now, what made Stu say bloody hell? Well, the bloody hell this week comes from Chester Cover in Poland and, and a couple of the most shameful MMA contests in recent history – I love when this segment is funny, but sometimes I just have to point out 
some of the most ridiculous things that are still somehow happening in this world that we who sanctioned this well that is the question my god so the MMA-VIP3 event took place, and I'm, I'm pretty sure the VIP stood for vulgarly, ignorantly pathetic. Yeah. This card saw not one, but two intergender matches. Yeah. The one that seems to kind of be garnering all the attention is this contest between Peter Lesowski and Ula Siakax. I apologize for butchering their names. The Polish names are traditionally littered with, uh, with difficult consonants all through them. <laughs> Now, I've kind of watched this, not entirely through choice, but I felt like I had to in order to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. well, I saw a little bit and I turned it off. It seems obvious that Lazowski is a pretty poor fighter. Unfortunately for Siakax, she's a, a fairly strong-looking woman, but she was outreached by oh, probably a foot. So Lazowski used that advantage, and he, unfortunately for, well, Unfortunately or fortunately, depending on yeah, which, which well, camp you're in. Yeah. He's completed a judo-style takedown. He transitions into a full mount and landed seven hooks to Siakak's head before the referee called it off. Seven. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. And then the second fight between Mikhail Prybailowicz and Victoria Domzalska was, Great was effort. almost worse. Yeah. It was almost as bad as that pronunciation. Right <laughs> like, the thing with this one, the dude actually looked like he could, he could fight. And it took barely 40 seconds before the referee had to stop it. Prybailowicz, he put his hands on his head as if to indicate he couldn't believe he'd even taken part in this. In fact, towards the end of the bout, he looked like he was only throwing half punches yeah. so that he wouldn't hurt this female anymore. It was yeah. ridiculous. I think the most apt tweet about this belongs to the handle at Fish Knuckles, and it kind of echoes what you just said. How was this sanctioned? This is horrific. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. And it beggars belief that this sort of thing is going on anywhere in the world. Right yeah, now. yeah. It's a head scratcher. So for some of the most ridiculous MMA bouts imaginable, all I can say is, Krowawi Pieklo, bloody hell. And interestingly, the direct translation from Google of bloody hell in Polish was cholera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell, Google. Bloody hell. Bloody hell. So football codes now, Stewie, now we'll concentrate on the NFL. There's been some very interesting games in the college football. Uh, the college basketball tips off soon, though. So maybe we'll we'll concentrate on college sports in a few weeks or something. Speaking of college football, though, very quickly, Essendon fans will be spewing after the son of club legend and Ironman Dusty Fletcher. Max Fletcher has committed to Arkansas as a punter after his older brother Mason joined Cincinnati prior to last season. Cincinnati is still undefeated, I, I believe. Both Fletchers have come through the Pro Kick Australia system. It sent, would you believe, 185 players no, over to the US. No, I wouldn't believe that. Pretty good to play Division One uh, college football. Obviously, we talked about Seattle Seahawk Michael Dixon and the amazing player he had a few weeks ago. Speaking of Essendon, though, I saw this tweet from AFL is not the sport. Essendon were established 27 years before FC Barcelona, 15 years before Liverpool, nine years before the Philadelphia Phillies, and six years before Manchester United. We kind of forget about our long history sometimes. And three years before Dustin Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit disappointing with the father-son stuff because he himself was the son of a former player. Can you imagine how many games they could have accumulated between three generations and four blokes? So it would have been nice if his sons had played in the AFL, but we wish him all the best. Was the son of a Fletcher man? Yes, he was. Oh, God, I wish you hadn't shown me that. That laughter, I've just uh, shown Stewie an NFL memes picture of basically Urban Meyer and a blow-up doll to signify the uh, <laughs> the little incident in the bar that, that happened a few weeks ago. Oh, that is perfect. 
<laughs> oh, oh, another one. I've taken a field day on this one. Oh, he's going to be fodder for the next how many months? Oh, I really will. A couple of interesting things in the NFL world. We now have no more undefeated teams after Green Bay went into Arizona and defeated the Cardinals. Can I eat a very large and sour slice of humble pie here? Okay. So we recorded our third choke special over the weekend. And in that, we were discussing a Super Bowl moment involving Tom Brady. And as much as I don't like the guy, I said he was definitely the GOAT. And you said, oh, a lot of cases for Aaron Rodgers. And I was like, nah. And you you might mentioned a few names, but yeah. And you yeah. were like, yeah. And I was like, nah. And you were like, yeah. <laughs> and of course, this would be the weekend where... Oh, it was so good to watch. It was such an entertaining game. I watched it last night. It was brilliant. Jameis Winston got injured for the Saints. I think it was the first quarter, maybe early in the second. And the Saints still beat the Bucs. It was fantastic. Brady was shit out. And and this is the thing. So a lot of it was down to a pick six very late in that game. Two-point game at the time. They'd actually just gone for a a two-point conversion to try and tie the game up. Unsuccessful. Yep. And yes, of course, the pick six results in a nine-point loss. And yeah, they lose to the Saints and Trevor Simeon. Yeah, who played quite well, it's got to be said. Now, he does have a bit of experience. He did play for Denver as a starter last season. But uh, yeah, Brady had two picks and a, and a fumble. So it was great to watch. And then, shit. and then, of course, on top of that, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers go into Arizona and beat the undefeated Cardinals with 11 starting players missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how's this? So it's really funny. So prior to this game, JJ Watt, one of the uh, defensive ends for the Cardinals, very good player, are now injured, unfortunately, said, oh, they win because of this, they win because of that. Maybe we're just a little bit fucking better. So, of course, after the Packers beat the Cards, all the Packers players were like, oh, they win because this, they win because of that. Maybe we're just fucking better. So they used that against them. I think what was so weird about this one, though, was what happened at the end of the game. Oh, yeah. Being referred to as one of the all-time brain farts. Yep. So Kyler Murray, one-on-one coverage out to AJ Green, and you're sort of thinking, you know, he's got that entire corner to himself. It was a really well-weighted pass. It gives his offensive player a really good chance in that one-on-one to take possession and win the game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was on second down with 15 seconds left. So they've still got time if it ends up as an incomplete pass. Yep. But Green thought it was a running play and basically turned his back. And then yeah. all of a sudden, Rasul Douglas intercepts it and game's over. Do you know what's crazy? He used to play for the Arizona. He was on the Arizona practice ah, squad. I have, I yeah. have seen that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so he probably knew the play. I'm, so- I'm <laughs> sounding smug because NFL's not my strong suit. Yeah, but-, <laughs> but he probably knew the play better than, than his opposition well, He did. clearly did because he yeah. was watching the ball. Oh, man. Was- yeah, they should still be undefeated. It probably. was nuts. Yeah. Was really nuts. Yeah couple of really big injuries though so in addition to JJ Watt for the Cardinals which is a big loss for them and I still think they're bloody good and they'll be right up there but that is a really big loss Derek Henry he even threw a touchdown pass last week carried my fantasy team last season so I love the guy he's an absolute beast but he's done so Tennessee are probably done yeah but he's not on your fantasy team this no no not this season no but they were playing the Colts and Carson Wentz made some horrible horrible decisions I did notice that oh man it's it was painful man it was hard to watch I'm actually glad we didn't get that game because I don't think I could have sat through it Mm. I I much preferred the schadenfreude of watching Brady suck and and them lose to a second stringer yes well but like like he could have thrown it away or even take a safety a safety is only two points a pick six I wouldn't even call it a pick six. It was basically a, here you go, I'm in the end zone, hand it to him six. Hmm. He barely, like, oh, with his left hand too. The horrible decision making. And it was really interesting on first take last night, Stephen A. Smith was saying, and I kind of agree with him, and I was just starting to like Wentz too because he's played all right the last couple of weeks, 
But Stephen A. Smith was saying it's because it's he's selfish and it's because he wants to be the man. And he could have just checked it down. Oh, it's, painful. It's painful. Hard, hard to trust anyone with the name Carson. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about that name. <laughs> okay. You know, there's certain names that you just think, oh, oh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, that's Carson's one of them for me. It just, oh. Fair enough. No, no. Fair enough. A couple of other things. Denver's traded Von Miller to the Rams. Now, now Von Miller was an MVP in a Super Bowl, the one that Peyton Manning won with the, with the Broncos. That's a huge trade. The Rams are very, very dangerous now. And they, of course, have Matthew Stafford. And I saw you'd collected some interesting stats about him. I didn't realize. I knew he was playing well, but bloody hell. Yeah, well, he's first in yardage. He's first in touchdowns. And he's also first in overall rating yep. amongst all quarterbacks. Quarterback rating, yeah, yeah. So, yep. yeah, to have all three of those and be leading the league, that is very, very impressive. A couple of other things really, really quickly. So Kansas City just scraped through the lowly New York Giants today. They've reached 500 at four and four, but they'll be lucky to make the playoffs, I reckon. They will not be making any noise the way they're going at the moment. Might be a wild card. If they're lucky. Mm. If they're lucky. And for all the Tom Brady bashing we've done, he did reach his 600th touchdown, the first player ever to do so. I was about to say, he joined the club of himself. <laughs> yes, and a very interesting uh, after, aftermath. But did you know he's actually thrown more touchdowns as a 40-year-old than he did as a 20-year-old? I saw that. He's yeah. actually got a better better completion percentage. Yeah. He's also yeah thrown for more yards and more touchdowns. That was nuts. Yeah, but he has had better receivers. But also, this is a perfect example of how much the game has changed and how much the rules now favour offensive players. And it kind of goes back to that NBA 75 thing we talked about last week. It's very hard to compare errors, and stats can change pretty quick with just a few little rule tweaks. So that's partly why. So knowing that explains it a bit more, because otherwise you'd go, how the fuck could, when you have so few players playing at their 40s, let alone, so yeah, yeah. But anyway, the 600th, yeah. Well, I've got a couple of things for Brady. Before I get onto that 600 ball. Oh, okay. He has more career passing touchdowns than the Panthers, Ravens, Jaguars, or Texans franchises. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> Their entire franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some woeful teams there, but yeah, wow, well, wow. Well. But yeah, the 600th ball, this is crazy. So there was a Buccaneers fan who was given the 600th TD ball by Mike Evans. It was estimated at around about $500,000 value. And the team have basically gone to this guy and said, we would like to propose a trade. Yes, a different ball, a $1,000 gift card, the promise of a helmet, and something nice. Yeah, it was it was Mike Evans' match-worn helmet, I believe. If you're that fan, what are you wanting as something nice? Uh, the 600th TD ball? Well, well this is it. <laughs> Why would you give it to him? Well, if, if you're a fan of sport and the history and you want to see that ball in the Hall of Fame, maybe you would give it to them. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I'd rather see that in my lounge room. Person yeah, I, I, I think I would have to give it back. I don't feel like it was the, the right decision the by Mike Evans. There's so. something nice, honestly. You would want that to be like season tickets on like the 50-yard I line. think they have offered him season tickets after. I think they have actually now offered him season tickets. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. I'd be offering him playoff tickets for all playoff games this season. Too. What about a, a date with, with Giselle? <laughs> <laughs> Who was it that offered that? <laughs> Are you talking about a uh, indecent proposal uh, situation here? Stuart? No, this is one of the other... Someone actually offered that. Oh, I know. I, I think, okay. I know that Tony Romo was in yes, a, it was Tony a, Romo, a, yes. a, com- a commentary controversy. Yeah. No, that's what it was. Yeah, he he yeah, was saying yeah. that he should, yeah, they should offer yeah, a David right, Yeah, like, no, he, he got himself in. I do like Tony Romo as a commentator, but that wasn't, wasn't his best move. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. that's pretty, pretty yeah, rough. Yeah. But no, look, 
kudos to him. At 600 is, geez, it's going to be hard for... Uh, there might be a few... No, few because guys. now the rule changes. Yeah, you just true. never know. You just never know. But it won't so. be something that guys are going to get to for quite, Not easily. quite a few yeah, years yeah. now. No, no. Quite Patrick a- Mahomes, for example, would have to have a very, very good career. And a lot of the a lot of the quarterbacks now run a lot. And so their their longevity of their careers is, yeah. is short. I'm just asking know. for needs. I can't see Lamar Jackson playing a really long time because he throws his body around, for example. Yeah. Kyler Murray's in that boat too. So, yeah. Can I wrap this up with a couple of interesting stats? Please do. The Jaguars have now lost 21 consecutive games played outside of London. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, they're woeful. Isn't that crazy? They are woeful. And one that I know you're going to love. The Peyton Manning curse is real. Every time a player comes on the Manning cast, that player loses the next week. Yeah, so we haven't had a chance to talk about Manning Night Football yet. We will. We can't tonight. We're running out of time, but we will eventually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is an amazing stat. Amazing. So Kelsey comes on week one, loses week two. Yep. Russell Wilson comes on week one, loses week two. Rob Gronkowski comes on week two, loses week three. Matt Stafford week three, loses week four. And old mate Tom Brady came on week seven, lost week eight. And I believe it was Josh Allen today. So that would mean the Buffalo Bills will lose next week. Put some money on, on whoever they're whoever playing. Whoever the hell yeah. the Bills are playing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Washington Generals. No. <laughs> Or whatever the NFL equivalent is. Uh, well, the Jacksonville Jaguars. The, 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 so clearly, the, the Washington football well, team. No, they're actually going all right. No, the, yeah. the Jags. I see your very interesting finish, Chewy, and I raise you. So in 2020, Andy Dalton, who happens to be a redhead, threw a last-minute touchdown to his namesake of sorts, Dalton Schultz, to beat the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. Fast forward through to this weekend, redheaded backup for the... Dallas Cowboys, Cooper Rush threw a last-minute touchdown to his namesake of, of sorts, Amari Cooper, to beat, you guessed it, the Vikings in Minnesota. How weird is that? That is pretty weird. Do you know the biggest disappointment from that? What's that? That it wasn't a rushing TD. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was a good weekend. For, very cool, Good yeah. weekend for backup quarterbacks, let me tell you. Very, Bloody hell. Very, very cool. Cooper Rush on that. Became the second quarterback in Cowboys history to throw for 300 yards in his first career start. It's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of good players that played for them that didn't. The only other guy was some guy called Gary Hojboom from Central Michigan in 1984. So I don't know who the fuck that is. Hojboom goes to Dynamite. Indeed. Bing bong. And now, this week in sport history. So we've got something slightly different for this week in sports history this week. We've got one single event, but it is a crazy one. You've had this one in the holster for a while. I've had you? this for an entire year, <laughs> just <laughs> waiting for it to happen. November 8th, 1978. One of the craziest basketball facts of all time and something I didn't know until just last year when I found this. Mm. Did you know there was a game between the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Nets involving Kobe Bryant's dad, Mike Bibby's dad, Tamika Catching's dad and the father of Grammy Award winner India Ari. I hate it when you ask these questions because the only reason I know is because you've found these weird facts and then you tell and me. I've told you, yes. Yeah, so yes, I did know, but not before you told me. Good, because neither did I. I knew my baby's dad played and yes. I knew obviously, obviously Jelly Bean Bryant, but uh, yeah, yeah. And and Harvey Catching as well, Tamika Catching's dad. Well, no, I didn't know about that, to oh, be did, honest. Yeah. yeah, or if I did, I forgot. There yeah. you go. But yeah, it gets crazier after all this. Did you know that Phil Jackson's first game as coach was while he was playing? Uh, I would have forgotten. There you go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it gets crazier still. 
Did you know there was a game where a player legitimately scored for both teams and is recognised on the box score for doing so? Yes, I did know that. Yes, one of those weird trade wrinkles. All of this happened when the Philadelphia 76ers hosted the New Jersey Nets. This was an awesome matchup. So you had Bernard King and you had Julius Irving. In the third quarter of this one, King was called for an offensive foul when he barreled into 76ers forward Steve Mix. After arguing the call, King was given his second technical by Roger McCann and was ejected from the game. Now, on the way to the locker room, King kicked a courtside chair and referee Richie Powers gave him a third technical, which you can't do. No. Certainly not at that level. My dad received three technicals multiple times coaching at, <laughs> at June lot, but not, not in the NBA anyway. So Nets coach Kevin Lockery jumps up to protest and Powers gave him two technicals as well, giving him three for the game and seeing him ejected. Phil Jackson, who was a player assistant coach for the Nets at the time, took over for Lockery, his first game as head coach of an NBA team. The Sixers went on to win the game in double overtime with Eric Money top scoring with 37 points. Aptly named. So everyone thought. Well, certainly no, he was aptly named. but (laughs) But everyone thought that he'd had 37. The Nets protested to the league over the extra technical fouls and Commissioner Larry O'Brien suspended Richie Powers for five games. And they demanded that the game be replayed from the moment that King was ejected. The replay didn't actually take place until some five months later in March when the teams were due to play next. Yeah, ridiculous. Slight problem though. In that that time, the 76ers and Nets were involved in a trade, which saw Eric Money and Al Skinner head to Philadelphia for Ralph Simpson, not Ralph Sampson, (laughs) Ralph Simpson, Harvey Catchings, and Cash. Cash. Don't know how much cash it was. Swing Swing Cash. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you baby boy. That's one father that wasn't participating. About a tenth of a second. You did well. The league decided when the replay was due to be played that the players should play for their new teams because they could sabotage the result to aid their new teams. So Simpson, Catchings, and Money all played for both teams in this game and all were displayed under both teams in the official box score. Oh, it's bizarre. Eric Money scored four for the 76ers to go with the 23 he was accredited for the Nets for a total of 27 in the game. I challenge you to find me a stranger box score oh, no. in NBA history. Ever. You, it will never happen again. No. Like it's, it's remarkable. It is. Now, the 76ers still won the game, but in a turn of events, one of the matchups in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs that year was, you guessed it, the 76ers and the Nets. Had to be. The 76ers won the series 2-0 behind 28 points, 14 rebounds and 6 assists from Julius Irving in Game 1 and 24 points and 21 rebounds from Caldwell Jones in Game Number 2. Do you know Julius Irving was actually offered to the Knicks and they, they didn't want him? Oh, man. What a horrible decision that was. Mm. Yeah. But turn of events, that was the reason they got Julius Randle. <laughs> Sliding doors. <laughs> you just wanted to say another Julius. Yeah. 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 But it, I mean, what a remarkable story this oh, is. It's, it's just, insane. it just, it, it really is insane. Mm-hmm. And we have seen games kind of stopped at a certain point and finished over, over history, but nothing quite like this. Nothing like that. No way. And just the, the fact they played in the playoffs as well. Like it's yeah. just nuts. Oh, yeah. It really is. This week in sport history. All right, Stuart, we have absolutely no time to talk about the NBA. Let's race through it. We need to talk about NBA at 75 or 76. Now, I relied on a stat in Wikipedia. We tried to slice it every which way, and it, it just wasn't right, was it? So. Yeah, so one of the, the points, which I kind of wasn't sure about when you said it last week, was that the team for the 75-year anniversary had 62 MVPs. And we thought, where are the other 13? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, and we thought, okay, double up. Some, and we immediately cited Derek Rose and Nikola Jokic. And it turns out they were the only two MVP winners that weren't on the list. 
So Sorry. what the hell happened? We mm. have no so Wikipedia's fucked up there. Not so sure. apologies. 73 MVPs. Yeah. Wikipedia's normally pretty good. But anyway. No. And as we mentioned in this week in sport, a couple of other guys we didn't mention last week, Bernard King, Bob Lanier. There's a lot of good names that missed out. Yeah. There, there really were. Anyway, all right. We'll smash through a couple of really quick things. Choke special next week, because you'll be away on business and kind of alluding to chokes. How's this? This is monumental. So this, the Boston Celtics led the Bulls 103 to 89 entering the fourth quarter last night. They lost 128 to 114. It is the first time in the shot clock era, so we're talking since 1954, that a team lost by 14 or more points after leading by 14 or more points entering the fourth quarter. If that's not a choke, I don't know what is. That is textbook. DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine have been spectacular. In fact, really, the whole Bulls team have been spectacular. But yeah, geez, watching those guys on offense, they are very, very hard to beat right now. And justifiably leading the Eastern Conference at 6-1. and one. And we were believers in the Bulls, but we didn't necessarily think they'd be 6-1. and one. Bullish, you could say. Yeah, we were bullish, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But, but at the same time, certainly didn't expect Boston to be 2-5. and five. No, they seem to have some chemistry issues. We, we might get to them in the, yeah, in the well, future. There's a few of them, like Milwaukee struggling as well. The Clippers are struggling. The teams we mentioned last week, yeah, the Lakers, the Phoenix, Nets. Phoenix. Well, the, yeah, yeah, the Lakers and the Nets have kind of made a little bit of a move this week. But, yeah. But yeah, we'll have to be talking about them. So number one pick overall, Cade Cunningham, finally had his first match. Unfortunately, he only shot one for eight, which at 12.5% is the second worst field goal percentage by a number one overall pick in the NBA debut in the modern draft era with a minimum of five shots. The other one on five shots, Anthony Bennett, 0 for 5. What where, a career he has. Where the fuck is he now? Yeah, no kidding. Probably working at friggin' Kmart or something. Yeah, yeah look. It, it certainly makes me feel a little bit better about the fact we didn't trade the war chest for him, but he'll come Oh, good. it's one game. He'll yeah. come good. Yeah. Now, Trey Young, $15,000 fine for brushing the arm of an official. We've seen this. He missed a shot, kind of looked like he got bumped. And as he's come running around the back of the, the referee, he's kind of given him a little bit of a clip on the arm. Yep. What are your thoughts? Well, I'll turn it back to you first. Do you think it was intentional? Yes. I do too. I just think he hit it a little bit better than Toby Green did. Oh, he hit it incredibly Toby well. Toby Green didn't hide it. He, I think he, like, I think he meant it, but he hit it well yeah. enough that I think he shouldn't have got fined for that. Yeah, yeah. Look, it, it did seem incidental to and, me. Although it probably opens up a can of worms. Maybe. Yeah, I I don't know. I think there was plausible deniability there because he did kind of hide it because it kind of looked like he was looking at his shot rather than where his surrounds were. Yeah. So there was plausible deniability. So, yeah. Maybe if he turns around and gives him the whole, like, oh, sorry, didn't mean it. Yeah, he maybe. maybe could have apologized more. Yeah, Not so know. great. Yeah. From something not so great to something moderately hilarious. Yes. Oh, it's bound to happen. The Ben Simmons saga has taken a pretty sharp nosedive. Well, it just continues. Downward so spiral. The Portland Trailblazers were in town today. And it has to be said, they haven't been great, Portland Trailblazers. Damian Lillard averaging career lows in points, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, steals and blocks. And he's been very forthcoming about his struggles. To his credit, mm. yeah. And it, he's another one of the the many people struggling with the rule changes, which we'll probably talk about a bit more. Yes, definitely. Once we have a bit more it. of a sample size on that one, I think. But we heard the chance. we want Lillard. Yeah, we're bound to happen. From the Philadelphia faithful. And I'll tell you what, they'd be lucky to get him for Simmons right now. I think they might have to stick with McCollum if they yeah, can get yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's not... It's, but it's interesting. The Sixers, honestly, like one game out of first place right now, no Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid's not Heard playing again. right now. Yeah, yep. But they're getting like 10 points a game plus from Furkan Korkmaz, Shake Milton, Tyrese Maxey, and Seth Curry to go with Embiid and Tobias Harris. 
Matisse Thibel doing what he does. He's averaging 21 minutes a game. Still the only guy in the league with one and a half blocks and steals a game. Oh, he's been his highlight reel has been fantastic. The Aussies highlight reel, along with Josh Kitty, has been fantastic. And he burned Paul George today. He, he really did. I mean, Paul George burned the team in the end, which was a good which thing. Which is a good thing, yeah. Because you wanted them to lose, but and yeah. Last little Aussie fact for you, Joe Ingles, a thousand three-pointers in his career. So. Oh, very nice. And Jock Landale had a good game today. And Green for Dallas has getting some minutes too. So, yeah, it's all good. It's all coming up trumps. Apart from Ben Simmons. Yeah. All right, Stu, you know what that music means. What are you amped for? Well, I'm amped to be getting on a plane. Ah, indeed, yes. <laughs> for the first time in over a year, and I'm sure there's people that have gone a lot longer than that, but for me... Someone who's worked in travel for a lot of his life. A year is a long time. So yeah, heading over to Adelaide for five days next week, which will be really, really good. So after teasing the Choke special for many, 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 many months, we finally will have two episodes in the space of a month. Next week, Choke special two. We had a lot of fun recording it. Hopefully you'll have a lot of fun listening to it. I think it was a good episode. Bloody good. Yeah. So give that one a listen. We've already recorded Choke Special 3. We don't know when that will come out. But until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes.